encourage you to um, uh, sign up and check all that stuff out. And then one of the things <clears throat> we'll just put up out front, uh, obviously this is a uh, another unique week. Uh, there's all kinds of mandates and all kinds of things that we're being encouraged to do and not to do. And if you're like me, you really enjoy being told what to do. And so uh, thank you you know, for, for telling me what to do. I deeply appreciate it. Um, and, um, and so with that said, the elders, obviously, we met this week. And I don't make decisions uh, here at Sierra Bible Church on my own. That's not how we operate. We've got a group of dudes who love the Bible. They've got a group of dudes who love the gospel. Uh, and they're, they're married men who love Jesus, who some of them are more educated than I'll ever be, and just deeply thankful for them to journey as a church along with me in decision-making uh, and good biblical teaching. And so we had, to, we had to wrestle through, what are we going to do on Sunday with the mandates? What are we going to do uh, to, to, you know, adhere and, and all of that? And we landed on where we believe in Scripture that the church is not a place that can ever reject people or turn people away. Uh, and so we don't believe as elders that, that we could turn someone away from coming on Sunday. In fact, even if you study church history, you'll see that the church never really did that. Uh, in fact, even during the Black Plague, which was basically a death sentence, I was telling the first service, uh, how many of you ever watched, you know, Monty, any Monty Python fans? Uh, <laughs> bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. I don't want to make light of people passing away by any means. I mean, during March, April, and May, uh, which I'll touch upon a little bit within the message here in a moment, you know, we, we really felt like we needed to shut down because we knew that we were being told two million people could die, and, and so we were being good sports and being team players and wanted to keep people safe. And now all these months later, we're seeing the outcome of the lockdown, the depression, uh, suicide attempts, which we've had in our church, uh, dealing with marriages that are struggling, dealing with all kinds of different things. The church is a bomb and, and healing, and we believe that we just could not, uh, we could not placate into that, that it's our job to not only care for people physically, but to care for the soul. That's really where the church is at, to care for the soul. And, and during this season, you know, souls have been shrinking, and, and, and it's just been really hard. And so one of the guys actually brought up how, you know, the Trinity shows us great community, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity. Uh, that we need to be in perfect unity with one another. We need to be in community with one another. It's healthy. In fact, one of the guys brought up the beautiful uh, story of when God created, this is all going to tie in the message to you this morning, if, if you're able to pick up on it, it's really cool, um, that, that God created all things and that all things that he created, that he created were good. And then he creates Adam and he sees it as good. And then the one thing that's bad, the one thing that's not good is Adam is alone. He's by himself. And so God then could have created woman uh, uh, for him out of anything, because he's God. That's what he can do. But what he did instead is he actually took a piece of Adam, a piece of his rib, and, and formed and fashioned someone in, uh, like him that he could be in relationship with. That unity and that connection, we're, we need that for our overall health. And I believe, in, <laughs> I believe that seriously, us being able to worship God and do the things that we're supposed to be able to do, that God has called us to do, because the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering of the saints. I believe that what we're doing here this morning builds up your immunity. I think that the body and the soul are connected in such a way that you're going to be stronger to fight this thing if you get it. Uh, and so we came together and said, hey, this is where we're at. So this is where we're at. We can't, we can't turn you away if you come. So welcome. And <clears throat> yeah. And, um, 
And masks are invited. You want to wear them? We invite you to wear one. And one of the things, one of, a couple of the guys, Brad Beers and Doug Brown, said, hey, we do have people who want to wear masks, and we want to meet their needs. And so they're willing to put on another service of some kind, either during the week, uh, where it's a mask uh, service for those of you who maybe want to participate in that. But we need to know that you want to participate in it. We're not sure how many of you would enjoy that or not. Uh, so Brad Beers and Doug would be part of that. And, and just reach out to me and let me know if that's what you uh, would like to do, and we'll, we'll uh, make sure we put something on for you that you can partake in. Uh, a couple other things, too. One, we need some people to help shovel because it is winter, and, and uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there for that. Andy Finch. Andy, would you stand up just so some people may or may not know who you are? This is Andy Finch. Um, okay, everyone knows Andy. <laughs> sit down, sit down. Um, <laughs> Andy, Andy is our head deacon, and Wayne taught on deacons a couple weeks ago. He helps basically uh, uh, facilitate all the different needs and nuances that we need done, nuts and bolts of the church. So he helps uh, with that. So you can touch base with him for that or just sign up for it. But he also, what's the email for? Serving at sbctruckie.com. Serving at sbctruckie.com. If you email that, uh, he'll actually get you in the loop. If you need anything, it's for needs, if you have any needs. Or if you just want to help the deacons with service stuff around the church, uh, you can email that as well. And then Angel Tree is unique this year. Uh, we used to, Angel Tree, if you don't know, is getting, giving gifts to kids whose parents are incarcerated, they're in prison, and their parents can't give them gifts, so they can't afford it. And so Angel Tree has an organization where uh, they help facilitate getting these kids gifts. This year what they're doing is just gift cards. Uh, $22 is what the cost is, $20 for the gift, $2 for uh, the, um, uh, the shipping. And if you go on our website, there is a tab that says Newsletter. Click on that, and there's a link that will take you uh, to the spot you need to go to make sure that those kids get gifts, okay? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there, <clears throat> and uh, if you would, stand with me as we honor the Word of God, and we're going to read uh, a few verses here this morning, and uh, hopefully we're going to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. Now, verse 1, now the Spirit expressively expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving and it is made holy through the word of God, take note of that, in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds the promise for this present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Lord, be amongst us. Help us to be aware that you're amongst us. Keep us safe, guard us, protect us, teach us, provide for us, nourish us, Lord. In Jesus' name your church said, amen. You may be seated. Okay, so <clears throat> backdrop a little bit. Paul uh, ends up becoming a father figure to this character named Timothy, 
and together, after about 15 years of journeying together, they end up planting this church in, in Ephesus, and Timothy is the young pastor. He takes over this church. Things get really weird. And Timothy, it seems, actually, this young man seems like maybe he wants to quit. Maybe he wants to bail. He doesn't want to be a pastor anymore. It's just too hard. It's too difficult. And so Paul hears of this, and he writes Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy, stick with this, man. You, you need to continue to teach good doctrine. You need to continue to stick with it. And so now we come to this place. He tells us literally that the Spirit says in latter times, some are going to depart from the faith. They're going to fall away. And then he encourages T- Timothy, instead of falling away, he then uses this analogy of exercise. He talks about it physically, that physically it doesn't do a whole lot, but spiritually it's all the way for godliness. So let's backtrack, if you will, just for a moment. We've done this over the last several months. I'm sure that you've had time to reflect over the last several months. So March, April, and May, how were those months for you? For me, <laughs> thumbs down. They were, they were tons of fun. And uh, during those three months, we, we were told, you know, people were going to pass away. I remember being very careful around my grandparents. They're probably watching online. They were here last week. And, um, and, and I, I, I was cautious. My wife and I were cautious. We shut down the church because we felt like, you know, hey, we, we needed to keep people safe. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't have the education. We didn't have the statistics. We didn't know what was happening. We just knew that this was the right thing to do. So here I am, like Timothy, just, you know, stressed out over the church, stressed out over my own family, stressed out over the virus. In fact, statistics were saying that churches could expect a 30% decrease, maybe even as high as 40% decrease in giving and funding. So then all of a sudden within the pandemic, I'm starting to wrestle with, are we going to need to let staff go? Are we going to need to take salary cuts? Some of the staff even volunteered and said, I'd be willing to take a temporary salary cut if needed, which was a beautiful thing that, that your ministers and your your staff at your church were willing to do that. So it was stressful, right? And, and so next thing you know, I'm at home like everyone else is, and, and I'm eating a little bit more than normal. I still eat a lot, but eat more than normal. I was napping on a regular basis because I was so stressed out. I just needed the mental break. I'd lay down on the floor in the living room and just take a nap. So I'm eating more and I'm napping more. And oh, by the way, my gym's closed. So naturally, I got bigger. <laughs> I'm 42 years old, and so my metabolism isn't what it was in my 20s. And, and, uh, and so I'm at this place where I've, you know, I've gained weight. Recently, actually, someone, uh, one of our social media gals took some pictures. They've been taking pictures here and there to post for social media. And and, uh, and, and and she posted a picture of me on the stage sitting over here, which she's still doing now. And I had my hand here and my hand here, and all I could see on her post was how much weight I had gained. And so you've bolstered my self. Yeah. It was a humbling thing, right? I, I, and so now, you know, the gym got opened back up, started grinding away. Uh, I lost, uh, I've lost about eight pounds, which which at this pace, uh, sometime next year, I should be back where I'd like to be. <laughs> and, um, man, it just was easy to fall back. It was easy to fall back. And now, you know, to lose that eight pounds, it's been a grind. It's, it's hard. It's taken exercise and discipline and effort. Now, spiritually, I think we have the same thing that's happening here. That during several months of lockdown, the, the, in a way, the virus, the lockdown, has, has actually caused a, a certain kind of departing from the faith for some. In fact, I, I haven't seen some faces in a long time. They may be online and just haven't reached out and haven't told us that they're, they're watching. 
or, or quite possibly, I know of some individuals they are not watching online and they may never come back to church ever again, which is sad. It's a departing of the faith. And that departing of the faith happens because we're not exercising the faith in the way that we used to. We're not being disciplined. We're not always around each other. I want to touch upon those things here in a moment, but the encouragement that Paul is giving is he says, you have to train yourself. Ultimately, we know train ourselves in the Word of God. We talk about the Word often here because it's the backbone and the center of who we are. We believe that the Word of God expresses to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Word of God that tells us who Jesus is. It's the Word of God that teaches us not to, to fall into error. It tells us what truth is and not what, what we should be believing, as the media would tell us or what have you, but what God wants us to believe. Of the Word of God, it tells us that it's a hammer. It's a fire. It's like a sword. These are words of battle. This is language that the Bible is a tool to help form the believer to fight the enemies of our souls, which there are many, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. All are enemies of our soul. Paul actually expresses it this way. He says, listen, in latter times, which we're in now, we're in the latter times. Jesus actually even says it. He says the Antichrist is going to come, and the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And what happens when someone departs from the faith and they fall away from the faith, it's not that they just fall away from the faith, but instead they exchange it for some other kind of teaching, in which Paul says these teachings are deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, church, I have to share with you, and I think many of you get this reality, that underneath everything that's being taught, underneath everything that is being shared, under your favorite news channel, on your favorite social feed, there is the spirit of the Antichrist that is trying to get you to follow the teachings of demons. So we can't trust almost anything, really. The only thing that we can trust is Jesus. The only thing we can trust are his words and his promises, that there is hope eternal. And you have to recognize that, that underneath all of this, somebody's trying to teach you something, and that something is ultimately to get you to run away from God. That's the end game of the Antichrist. To get you to ignore the Spirit of God, which he says, the Spirit says this is going to happen. So, so first of all, uh, we need to recognize that in this particular crazy season, we shouldn't be dismayed or surprised. Should we? I mean, there shouldn't be too much, I can't believe this. And I mean, I'm still doing it. I still, I still am doing that. But we shouldn't be because this is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. And so we need the Word of God. We need to exercise. 2 Timothy chapter 3, later, the second book of Timothy, where Paul writes to Timothy again, he tells Timothy, all of Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training, training in righteousness. Now, can I just say something real quickly about the Word of God and what he's saying here is it's inspired by God? Can, can we just do away with the demonic teaching that somehow Scripture wouldn't be inerrant or that it is with error? There are those who believe, sad enough, that, that Scripture is somehow flawed in the way that it expresses itself. And if you believe that Scripture is flawed in any way whatsoever, it undermines the gospel. You can no longer trust anything in there. But yet there are pastors who teach these things in our day and age. There's two things that have really excited me about ministry. Two, two things that, that really drive me. One is discipleship. I mean, you, 
See, in our vision statement, obviously it's a commandment in Matthew 28. It's, it's what we're supposed to be all about. Discipleship is the reality of, of someone uh, understanding more of Jesus, moving from point A to point B and becoming a follower of Jesus. That excites me. Like, it excites me to see somebody get something about God and then take another little step, a teeny step, and learn more about God. Like, that excites me to see people growing in their faith. It excites me when someone says, I'm repenting of their sin. I, I, that stuff excites me. That's discipleship. I love discipleship. And discipleship should happen on Sunday, it should happen at home, it should happen at the dinner table, it should happen in all kinds of places growing closer to Jesus, that excites me. The other thing that excites me is being missional. I love to see people get saved. I love it when people who aren't Christians come to our church. I love that. I love it when they feel welcome even though they disagree with us. I love it when they walk through the doors. I like it when somebody says, I'm actually part of uh, another religion, but I just want to check this out, and so I'm here. I love that. Because, because there's going to be a moment for some of those individuals where the gospel comes alive, and they're renewed. They find forgiveness of their sins, and, and they're no longer living in fear or uh, against something that's, that, that, that is demonic. They're, they're no longer living in that dark realm, but they're enlightened and they're enlivened and their life becomes just even better on this earth and it's guaranteed to be great in the next one because God's good and he's great. That excites me. And so when we've had to be making these decisions about shutting the church down, all this stuff, all these different things, like we, we, uh, we've had to think through, like there are some churches that, that are saying, listen, we need to do these things because we don't want to offend the lost. And I've realized that what that is, is that's the word that has kind of come to mind. And I told my wife this the other day, is missional compromise. That the church begins to bend its, its calling for the sake of hoping maybe somebody would be saved. My friends, I don't know about you, but I've had to come to this great reality. The gospel is just offensive. It is. It's offensive. We can't expect a, a world outside our doors to, to understand what we do and why we do it until the Spirit of God reveals that to them. And we can't, we can't backtrack and, 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 and be something that we're not because, because we're afraid that maybe somebody might be offended. If we're afraid of, if we're afraid of, of offending somebody, then, then we've, we've already fallen into the error of offending God. And I don't want to do that. Why fear someone who can destroy the body, Scripture says? Why fear a virus that can destroy the body, but rather fear the one who can destroy the soul? In latter times, he says, which we're in, these false teachers will come in, and instead of the word being illuminated to us, which, by the way, there's only really two ways to understand the Bible and train. One is, is that the Spirit, the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God to you. Okay, so I don't know, I, I've, I've heard people say this, it's hard for me to read the Bible, I have a hard time understanding it. So let me ask you a question, when was the last time when you, before you opened up your Bible, before you read anything in Scripture, you did this? Holy Spirit, would you please reveal to me what is in this book and help me understand it? And when you pray, then all of a sudden you start to understand, you start to see things in there that you've never seen before. Which, by the way, how many of you have come to this place where you, you've opened up the Bible and you start reading it and it's just super easy to be distracted? That's easy, right? 
It's like you start reading, and you're like, oh, hold on, I gotta go, I gotta get a cup, I gotta get some tea. And then you get your tea and you sit down. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need, I need a little bit of bread with my tea or whatever it is, you, crumpets or whatever. I, I, right? It's, you know what? Here's the deal. This is how you know there's a spiritual antichrist, a demonic force behind everything. Have you ever had that feeling putting on a Netflix show? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause it, pause it, pause it. I got to get some tea. That doesn't happen. Right? You just, you just set that thing up. In fact... When you start watching Netflix, I know, I know how it is. I've been there. I'm like, Netflix, how dare you ask me if I'm still watching? <laughs> of course I'm still watching. I'd have turned you off. Right? Because, because the demonic realm desires to undermine and keep you distracted from anything other than, what you, than, than what's really good for you. We've got to have some discipline to fight these demonic spirits and dive into the word of God. Now, these false spirits will do a couple different things. One is they, they will usually force you or, or push on you to have an emotional experience. Oftentimes, the demonic force, the, the false teaching of the world that is causing you to be lax and unspiritually fit is to get you to this place where, where you, 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 want, you want the feeling. You want to feel good. Or they twist it. Like the word gets twisted. Remember, Satan even uses the word of God to deceive. The Bible tells us that false teachers are very crafty, that these spirits are crafty, that we should test the spirits. In fact, Genesis tells us of the serpent that he was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field. The Bible tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that angel of light comes and it looks good and it feels good and it tastes good. So it must be good. But the Bible rather says test every spirit to make sure that they're actually from God. Like, make sure that the gospel's in there. I, when I was doing youth ministry, I used to tell kids when they were leaving high school and going to college, when you go, first thing you need to do is find a good church. Well, how do I know if it's a good church? A couple things. One, the Bible's opened. It's not grandpa story time. It, th- that's not what church is. Church is not a TED Talk. Church is not a mo- motivational speech. Don't go to a place that's trying to entertain you. Go to a place that's willing to tell you that God is good. You need to hear that. So that's the second thing. They open up their Bible. The second thing is they say the name of Jesus often. Like you hear Jesus a lot. It's about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus. The Bible's got to be open. Jesus has got to be there and make sure that they're not afraid of using the words sin and repentance. Then you found a good church. If you can find a church that talks about sin, repentance, Jesus and the gospel of grace, and they're showing it through the word of God, you're probably good. Will they have a good kids program? Don't care. Is their nursery guy really awesome? Don't care. Is the music great? Doesn't matter. Are they preaching Jesus Christ from the word? Yeah. Okay, then programs are, programs are whatever. All that other stuff is just, it's just icing on the cake. It's great to have. It's good. We want good nursery teachers. We want good Bible teachers next door. We want good music. We've talked about getting some smoke in here at some point in time. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. Someone did give us the fog machine. We did think about. And Timothy is actually told by Paul later about these false teachers. He, he says that in the end times, in the latter times, 2 Timothy chapter 4, that people will no longer put up with good teaching, but they'll heap for themselves teachers 
that will itch their ears, that, that is to make them feel good. They'll accumulate for themselves, it says. They'll have a bunch of them that suit their own passions and that will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. They just, they just start to, they wander off. They, they slowly fall into the bad stuff. That's what was happening for me in those three months, not spiritually, but physically. Just kind of wandered into gaining one pound after another. And likewise, spiritually, the same thing can, can and, and is happening. It's just one small step wandering into myths. And it's been easy. And thankfully, I think, I think our church, by, by and large, just from my own perspective, is starting to wander out of the silly myths, out of, is what Paul says, the, the irreverent, silly myths, and back into gospel centrality and Bible teaching. Right? It was easy for those several months to just get sucked into the social media and the, the internet and what's happening with the numbers and what, all of these things and, and to get filled with angst and, and fear. And, and next thing you know, you're, 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 how am I going to get through my day? Well, you're going to get through it by anchoring yourself out of the myths. Right? If you will, I think Paul could have wrote it today, have nothing to do with social media. Because it's just too easy to wander into false teaching and into things that aren't even worth talking about. So it's easy to fall into these traps, number one, with you know, bad teaching, first of all. <laughs> I mean, if you're not part of a good Bible teaching church, if you're not part of a place that's talking about Jesus and sin and repentance, it's easy to wander into this place. So you as the church have to demand that your pastor, your leader, your teacher's are giving you the word of God. You have to demand it. And I'm thankful. I know there are several of you that are watching online that, that you're watching online because you know that you're getting something that's solid here. And we're thankful for that. But at some point, those of you who have a church in your home, whether that's in Florida or, or in, in New York or Utah or Idaho or these different places people are watching from, at some point you need to call your pastor and say, you know what? You got to start teaching the word. And if you ever leave this place and you move, whether, wherever that may be, you need to demand that. You need to take nothing less. You have to be a part of it so that your faith will be exercised and you won't fall into some kind of false teaching or, God forbid, fall away from the faith. Because when you fall away from the faith, when you depart from the faith, it's not that you stop believing in stuff. You'd rather, you, as he says, you start following other demonic spiritual stuff. we got a gal... Years ago, she got saved in our youth group. And man, she was on fire. She interned and um, she was serving the Lord. And she moved around a little bit here and there. And she'd always kind of struggled with some stuff. But, but man, she was passionate about Jesus. And then she had some of her church leaders fail her and it kind of uh, rocked her faith. And she decided to just walk away from church altogether. I want to have anything to do with the church. Cut off a bunch of her friends. Cut me off. She won't talk to me anymore. But as I follow her on social media, I, I, I've, I've noticed that she indeed still believes in something. She's exchanged her faith in Jesus for positive thinking. You know, the whole look in the mirror thing, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. You know that kind of religion? It's the same kind of stuff that Oprah's throwing around on her TV shows. That same kind of false teaching, you can do it, you can work hard, you can earn it. All you have to do is think positive, you think positive, get positive people around you, positive things will happen. It's funny because she's still broke. 
And instead of, instead of being in relationship with the God of the universe who solidifies you in all things, she's exchanged it instead for the hopes that she'll have a better life if she just thinks more positively. Man, I, I cannot look in the mirror and do that. I don't know about you. I, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and you're fat enough. Gosh darn it, you need to exercise. That's, that's where I'm at. I need to exercise. You see the, the connection between the physical stuff I'm going through and the spiritual one as well. These false teachers come along, and it says they're actually, the, the, the Scripture says they're, 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 their conscience is seared. It's, they're hard-hearted. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to grow. They're, they're if you will, given into their own devices. And then these teachers come in, these demonic spirits come in, they do two things. Two things false teachers, two things false spirits do that will erode your soul. Number one, they'll tell you good things are bad. They'll tell you good things are bad. If you notice it in the text, it says, everything that God created, verse 4, by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And if it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So he tells us nothing's bad that God created. Nothing's bad. Everything has its own use. Now, you can overuse something for bad, but that doesn't make it bad. So these teachers were coming in, and they were saying, literally, they were saying two things. Number one, they were saying, don't eat meat. And number two, they were saying, don't get married. Now, I know there's vegetarians in the room, and I know I've offended you over the years, and for that, I apologize a little bit. But meat is a gift by God. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here. Meat is a a glorious gift. (laughs) Meat is, it's a gift. So now that doesn't mean, and by the way, if you're a vegetarian, I know you're healthier than me, and you don't have the same weight problems that I have. Being a vegetarian is fine. It's the issue of saying you can't do that. So these teachers were coming in, they were taking good things that God made. And by the way, these things, it transpires and everything. It's not just food. I mean, we literally, amongst our own evangelical friends, and they are friends, they're weird uncles in the family, as one pastor has said before. But for instance, there are churches who literally say, you can't dance. My wife wouldn't be a Christian if that was true. My wife loves to dance. She actually minored to dance at UNR. There are some churches that say no wine, no, there's, there's not to be any alcohol. Some churches even say there's not to be any instruments played during songs, and if you do sing, they need to be only psalms or they need to be hymns. Those are the only ones that count. That's all just rules. That's somebody coming along and saying, your faith isn't good unless you do it this way. That's wrong. There's all kinds of ways to express your faith in Jesus. And what he's encouraging is whatever you do, when you do it in faith, you do it with prayer and you do it through the word of God. Uh, I had heard years ago a pastor say there's actually three ways to actually kind of look at this for Christians, and they all start with R, receive, redeem, reject. There's certain things as Christians, it's obvious we receive, like fellowship of the brethren, we receive that. There's certain things that we reject. The Bible's really clear, it's sin, and we don't do it. And then the one that gets gray for people where it starts creating arguments is those things which we can redeem, which literally means there's certain things in the world that have pagan roots that we can use and flip for God's glory. For instance, if you put up a Christmas tree this year, that is something you have redeemed. It once had pagan roots. And now we use it to put lights on that tree to remind us of the light of the world who hung on a tree on our behalf. So there's certain things you can redeem. See, there's kind of two flaws here. One is 
You end up in sync with the world. You do everything the world tells you to do. And the other one is you separate yourself completely from the world. Both are bad. So false spirits will come and say, these good things, you can't do them. It's like we've had people, literally not many, one or two maybe, leave our church when we, when we started doing trunk or treat. You're celebrating Halloween. Oh, my gosh. No, we're not. We're redeeming it. That's Reformation Day. Did you know that? That's the day that the reformers, this is 500 plus years of, of the church getting centered on the gospel. That's what we're doing. We just happen to be handing out candy when we do it. And we might be dressed a little funny. But we're not celebrating it. We're using it and redeeming it to bring lost people on our church campus who would never come before. And we hope to do it again next year. So they take good things. They tell you you can't do them. And then if you do do those things and they disagree with you, they try to make you feel like you're less of a Christian than them which is not right. It's satanic. It's demonic. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. The second thing they'll do is they'll erode the beauty, the value, the sacredness of marriage. Now, literally, literally what was happening in Timothy's church is these guys were coming in saying, if you eat meat, you're not a real follower of Jesus. And they were also coming in saying, if you get married, you're not really a follower of Jesus. You can't get married. They were discouraging marriage. Which is interesting because you look at this text because within the Catholic Church, they literally have this as a rule. In order to be a Catholic Church, you have to be someone who is not willing to be married. And what the Bible teaches is, by the way, the Bible teaches the value and the sacredness and the beauty of marriage. What our culture needs to see is the gospel within marriage. Now, let me be clear on something. Some of you very, very few of you, some that I know, you, you have the gift of singleness. Not because you're single, but because you know. Like Jim Matthias and I were talking about this afterwards. Those of you who know Jim, he cleans the church and stuff. He feels like he's got the gift of singleness. He's been single a long time. He said he, said, uh, he couldn't live with a woman is what he basically told me in the office. And I was like, well, that makes sense why you're single. Um, Some may have the gift of singleness, but most, especially for men, most men do not do well alone. In our culture, and this is what's interesting, in our culture, they may not be telling us outright not to get married, but the overall message of the world is you don't need to get married. You can live together. You can sleep with who you want to sleep with. And it's interesting because in our culture, everybody almost seems to be against marriage, but they're all for sex. What Paul's saying is this is demonic. And the flip side of that, Proverbs actually tells us in chapter 18, verse 22, tells us this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Found a good thing. What's up, baby? <laughs> and obtains, if you found a good wife, which I did, obtains favor from the Lord. God has favored me by giving me a, a good wife. And then the Bible goes on and encourages that not only would you be married because marriage is the ultimate proclamation of the gospel. It really is. It's one of the best ways to proclaim the goodness of God. When a husband and a wife are following Jesus together, it shocks the world. It shocks the world. And then if you add to that, when the Bible actually tells you to get a full quiver, which is, which is translation to have more kids. Now, I know that's not for everybody, but it, is, it should be for most. It is a biblical thing for us to get married 
It's a good thing, especially for you men, to get married, to have a good job, and to work hard and care for your spouse. Or if you don't have a spouse, start pursuing. For the love of God, we've got some great single women in this church who need you to start pursuing them. Seriously. My wife and I had a couple young single gals at our house the other day, and they're like, where are the guys? I'm like, I... I'm going to beat him up on Sunday. Be there. It says, pursue, seek after. Once you have it, you found a good thing. Show the world the gospel through your marriage and have a lot of kids because it shows that you actually value life because Jesus values life. The world doesn't understand this stuff. You know how I know? I have four kids. I have four kids. And before the pandemic, when we would go into Costco with four kids, the looks we would get. The, the comments we would get, ooh, you've got some kids there. Here's your sign. Yeah. It got, it's got to a point, and I've told this before, but it's got to a point where our oldest started to say, oh, my gosh, you've got so many kids. And, and our oldest would say, yeah, there's three more at home. <laughs> my, wife, my wife went through the checkout line. Uh, this is a while back. Um, but when the kids were littler, had all four kids, and she had a pregnancy test as she went through the, the line there, and, and the lady kind of gave her one of these, like, <laughs> like we're killing the planet, you know? <laughs> it doesn't understand it. The Bible actually says get a full quiver. That, that, the translation of that is like, make sure your car is always too small. Like, get a full Suburban. I don't know how many of you know, but the Lens are having their fifth child. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it's for you. Don't hear me out that I'm, that I'm condemning you if you're single, that I'm condemning you if you don't have kids. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, if it's not for you, you should still highly value that for those who do it. Because there's something beautiful about large families. I mean, and I never thought I would have a large family. I, I didn't. We set up our Christmas tree uh, yesterday. Uh, I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but and that seems like a horrible thing for you, but you know, I read some article that said it'll help with happiness and joy, and, and, and so <laughs> this is the time I felt like we needed more happiness and joy, and so we put up a Christmas tree, and, and you know, it's, cha- it's chaos, it's chaos, right? You got a four-year-old in there, and he's grabbing glass bulbs and dropping them all over the place. You got a stupid cat who's running up the tree, and We've got kids complaining because they wanted to put up that ornament, and they, and they just thought, this is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful, and I have to remind myself of that beauty, the beauty of children, the beauty of marriage. The, this is what Paul is telling Timothy. He ultimately, he's saying, listen, you've got to, don't fall away. Dive in. Dive into marriage. Dive into good teaching. Dive into the Word. Have a good dance every now and then. I saw a video on Facebook the other day with just some old guy flirting with his wife, and he was just, he had no business dancing, but he was doing it anyways. And she looked at him like he was ridiculous. It's just like, that's the joy of marriage. There's this old couple, and he's still making her crack up with stupid dance. Those are good things. So ultimately, what do we need to do to continue to fight and train? Because that's what Paul's saying. Right? He's saying, you, you, you don't want to fall away and get physically and spiritually overweight. You want to be fit. You, and that's going to require some discipline. 
The first thing you've got to do is you've got to do what Paul's doing here. He's, he's pointing out the false teachers. I mean, he's literally saying you shouldn't listen to these folks. You shouldn't read these books. You shouldn't listen to those podcasts. I, I've gotten in trouble for it in the past, but you know, I've, I've stated that, that a lot, of, a lot of, uh, of pastors that are on TV, not all, should be avoided. A lot of them don't mention Jesus. They don't mention sin. It's a lot of prosperity stuff. If you follow God, your life's going to be great. No, if you follow Jesus, you might be martyred. Ask how it went for John the Baptist. Are you the Messiah? Save me. I am the Messiah, but you're going to have to die. And you're going to have eternal life. And it's going to be okay. That's the gospel. Avoid the false teachers. They're, they're not going to strengthen your faith. They're not going to keep you rooted in the gospel. They're not going to help you be the buttress of truth. Number two, I, I said it already, don't have anything to do with spam. And listen, there, there's somebody somehow got a hold, and I've, I've already told you this before, just another reminder, somebody, somebody somehow got my contacts, and they've been sending out messages for gift cards for Pastor Jesse. Someone, and it's a thing. All my pastor buddies, it's like a thing. There's, there's some guy who goes around, finds out you're a pastor, and says, hey, this is how the email starts out. Hey, this is Pastor Jesse. I'm in a prayer meeting. Could you do something for me discreetly? And then they're like, go down to Safeway, buy me some Amazon cards. Which, by the way, I do like Amazon cards, but I would never ask you for them. <laughs> Not through text message. I wouldn't do that. that that's spam. You, you've ever heard the, there's a Nigerian prince who apparently needs some help. Have you heard that one? Don't have anything to do with these things, but rather, but rather, he says, Paul says, be ready in season and out of season with the word of God to reprove and rebuke and to exhort and turn away from those silly myths. Be rooted in the word. Don't have anything to do with those things. And then lastly, you've got to start developing habits of grace. That's a specific term that I want you to carry with you. Habits of grace. Discipline. The grace that, that leads to discipline. As a believer, you've got to be willing to put some work into your faith. You've got to study. You've got to pray. You've you got to listen to some good podcasts. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to engage in church. You've got to love one another. You've got to forgive. Paul actually uses several different words here that, that we need to engage in. Service, faith, good doctrine, and godliness. Like, if, if, if we're going to get out of the pandemic a healthy church, then, then we have to, at some point in time, get off of the couch and start practicing our discipline, start practicing what church is. I know right now some people need to be at home because they're still trying to figure things out. But the end game, the end game of the church is not to do church in your pajamas. It isn't. Well, let, me, let me be clear, okay? You can come to church in your pajamas. That won't bother me. Like, for real. It wouldn't bother me. I take out my kids sometimes in their pajamas. My wife hates it, but I think it's awesome. She's like, you didn't take them out. I said, yeah, he's cool. Nobody cares. Come to church in your pajamas. Come to church any way you want. But you, you at some point, you have to decide that for the strengthening of your own faith, you're going to have to get out of your bed and out of your pajamas, and you're going to have to come back to church. The end game cannot be for you to do church on your own because your faith will not be strengthened. It's not that it's bad, it's a good thing. And that's why we have it. That's why we have it. It's needed. If you're sick, you need to stay home. Watch us on YouTube. Watch us on Facebook. Great. But at some point in time, 
You're going to have to muster up the courage. I don't know when that is. Maybe it's sometime in the summer. I'm not sure. But you're going to have to muster up that courage. You're going to have to walk through the doors again. You're going to have to see your brothers and sisters face to face. Where you can look at each one of you as I get the great opportunity to do so as I stand here. All of you have the fingerprint of God on you. You're made in his image. You know, this leading up to this Sunday was a little emotionally hard for me. And I don't deal with emotion very well. You can ask my wife. I, she doesn't hardly even know what I'm feeling half the time because I just, I'm not expressive. I'm not an expressive person. But to be able to stand here and see you here in church has strengthened my faith in Jesus. And so I thank you. And I want those who are distant and isolated, I want that for them too. You see, we're not gathering because we're defying the government. That's not what this is about. This is about us being what God has told us and created us to be. This is also about strengthening God's people. Because I believe the spirit and the flesh are connected. And I believe that by you being in this room, it does something to your immune system. And it's bolstering you and strengthening you to fight other things in the world that if you weren't here, maybe that immune system would be down. I know people will disagree with that, and I just don't care anymore. I don't. Because I know what God has called us to do, and I'm willing to be crucified and laid on the line to stand for that. And I thank you for you who are willing to do that as well. Let us exercise our genuine, real faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you <clears throat> for who you are and what you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that as Corinthians tells us, that we would all run this race of faith in a way that we would win, that we would discipline ourselves, that we would grow in godliness and doctrine and faith and service, that we'd be strengthened. I pray for all my brothers and sisters who are here that you keep them safe and protected. And I also pray, Lord, for those who are watching online that you do the same for them. Lord, I pray that they would know that even though I haven't been able to see them, I miss them and I love them and I want them to do well. And I pray that you would guide them and you would lead them in the direction that you see fit. They would feel and know your love. Thank you for who you are, God. You're good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, let's stand.